Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media or to tune into our live stream services, visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free Calvary Church app. Now here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Take your Bibles, open them to Acts chapter 13. We start a new chapter today, Acts chapter 13. We're going to spend a couple of studies introducing the chapter and introducing the first few verses because this marks a big turning point in the book of Acts. This is the beginning of the world ministry outreach of the church or what we commonly call missionaries. This is the missionary outreach of the church starts right here in Acts chapter 13. And as we think of missionary, we need to think that we too are on mission with God. We are on his mission. And that's the title of our Bible study today, On Mission with Jesus. And it'll be a two-parter as we spend some time looking at this foundational turning point in the early church. Why? Because our God is a missionary God. That's his heart. His mission, Jesus said, according to Luke chapter 19, is to seek and to save the lost. Aren't you glad that's his mission? That's how you were reached. God's heart was to reach you and to go after you and to pursue you. I mean, if you go back and open the Bible in Genesis, you see this right away. You've got this pristine garden. You have two humans created by God, Adam and Eve, enjoying fellowship, enjoying life until they failed until they sinned. The first response after trying to cover themselves up was to run away from God. What did God do? He went after them. That's his mission. He pursued them. What's going on? Where are you guys going? That's the heart of God. I think of Abraham or Abram in Genesis chapter 12. He calls Abram and says, I want you to leave the place where you live to a place that I'll show you. Why? Well, the Bible says, so that all the families of the earth would be blessed through Abram. It's a part of his plan, a part of his mission. It's God's heart to seek and to save the lost. And you see God's heart in the early church here, right here in Antioch. All throughout the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is moving in and among believers to move us in sharing the good news with others. It is not just a pastor thing to share the good news. It's not just a pastor thing to teach the Bible. It's not just a pastor thing, any of the characteristics that we might associate. That's only for him or that's only for her. No, it's for us. It's for all of us to have a heart for our community, to have a heart for the people, to not live behind labels so that we can label someone and not, not serve them and not care about them because after all, they are that or they're there or that's where they live or that's the nationality or the language they speak or the color of their skin. Whatever the kind of labels that, that the world likes to use are not appropriate for believers because God said that we're to love him with all our heart, soul, and mind and what? Love our neighbor. That's the label to use for someone. They're your neighbor. They're your neighbor, and therefore they're worthy of the love of God flowing through your life. It's very clear in the Bible that the Holy Spirit is missions-minded. Not just world missions, not even just a short-term mission trip. Sometimes God's going to call you around the world, and you should obey. And sometimes God's going to call you to be on a short-term trip, and you should obey. 
But sometimes God's going to call you across the street, and you should obey. Or to your neighbor, your office worker, you know, the person that's working that just got hired, and God says, I want you to go reach them. I want you to connect with them. We should obey because it's our spiritual DNA. If they were running our DNA, they'd find something we all share in common, all of us as believers, and that is this, a heart for the lost. It might be different. It might manifest differently because of the giftings and the place that God's placed us in the body. But everyone right now, all of us as believers, have a mission. We're on mission with Jesus. Notice with me in Acts chapter 13, what's happening in the early church. They don't even know. They don't even know what's about to hit them. Verse one, now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who's called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Notice verse two, and as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit spoke. And he said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and sent them away. The missionary outreach of the church began with God calling his people together and speaking to them. It was clearly a move of the Holy Spirit. Missions is always birthed in the heart of God. Not through planning and preparation, as important as that is, it is the Spirit of God moving upon us. That's why the natural and only acceptable response to God speaking is obeying. That's what they do right away. I want to show you something that's foundational to help us moving forward. Would you turn back in your Bibles to Zechariah chapter 4? Zechariah chapter four, it's toward the end of the Old Testament, so you don't have to turn too far, it's right before Malachi. It's a foundational verse for our church. You could even say it's a part of our philosophy of ministry. It is a verse that we cling to and we must remember. It's how our church started, it's how our church continues, and it's how we'll end. And I want you to remember this too, because what's true for the church is true for you, because you are the church. So we talk about the larger gathering, yes, but you're the church. And this is important for you to understand. Notice with me, Zechariah chapter four in verse six. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Without getting into all the details of this man, Zerubbabel, he's faced with an impossibility. It's overwhelming him. He's assessing the situation and coming up with solutions. And God interrupts him in this, I believe, an overwhelming feeling, like it's something over his head, incapable of doing. Even if he came up with all of his solutions, he still isn't going to be able to accomplish what God wants him to. God interrupts him and reminds him of a very key point. He says this, Zerubbabel, it's going to happen, but it's, this is the way it's going to happen. I'm going to do it and not you. We have to remember that. And he says it this way, it's not going to be your might and it's not going to be your power, Zerubbabel, but it's going to be by my spirit. This really is the Old Testament definition of the entire book of Acts. 
the entire book of Acts, from the early church even to this day, anything that God does, he does it by his spirit. That's it. It's not our might. It's not our wisdom, not our knowledge, not our great plans, not some seminar we went to or some book we read. It's the spirit of God. It's what God is accomplishing. That's what we need. Without the spirit of God, there is no church. You know that. Doesn't mean there can't be a gathering. It doesn't mean that rooms can't be filled with thousands of people. But if the spirit's not there, that's not the church. I mean, if you think about it, we could fill, filling a room is not that difficult. I'm certain, very confident of it, that if we rented the Pepsi Center, we could fill it, no problem. And we could fill it this way. We could start putting advertisements all over town saying we're giving a free car away. And this is the day and this is the time and we'll be at the Pepsi Center. And we'll fill the place. We'll fill the place. It'll be filled with people. We don't know where they're coming from, what their heart is, but they're just there because of a free car. You see, the church of Jesus Christ is different. The church of Jesus centers around him. We gather together for the sake of worshiping him. We aren't here for what we're going to get out of it, although in some respects we want to hear from the Lord. We're here not because of what we get out of it, but we're here because of what God has already done for us. I mean, how much more? How much more could we possibly receive from the Lord than we already have? He's been so gracious and so good to us. He owns us, the Bible says. And so just because there's a filled room doesn't mean you're a part of the church that Jesus is building. And I hope you want to be a part of the church Jesus is building. I want to be a part of the church Jesus is building. Even with all our faults and failures, even with all our weaknesses and mistakes, I want to be a part of what I don't want. And I guess let me step back for a second and just say, I can say this with absolute confidence with you and true transparency. If I had the chance, I can scan the room and kind of look everyone in the eye when I say this, that you are in a church that is not built by Ed Taylor. You have to know that. This is not my doing. I just showed up where God told me to move here and I get to watch what God is doing. That doesn't mean he doesn't use me. It doesn't mean he doesn't help, you know, help me along the way that he's given me wisdom and I get to lead. That's, I'm not, I, of course, I have a role of leadership, but I have a role of leadership in the church that Jesus is building. I'm not heading off looking for books on how to fill the church and how to grow the church and how to, and, and you'd be amazed at the things that are available to pastors. Pressure, pressure. I just got, I got another one this week, a whole kit for 79 bucks on how to grow this church. I mean, that would be the worst 79 bucks I ever spent plus shipping and tax, I'm sure. Like, well, if I needed, if I want to, if I was really concerned with that, I'd just ask God, he's building the church. You know, pastors get caught up. It's like, oh, I can't believe it. Look at all the empty chairs. Look, the church is not about empty chairs. The church is about the people sitting in the chairs, you know? This is not, this is not a time for experimentation. It's like, hey, guys, I just got back from a, con a conference. I came back from the seminar, and I want to test everything out on you. I mean, the Bible doesn't, you know, when the Bible describes you and me in the church, you know the animal that's used to describe you and me? You know what it is? It's a sheep. You are sheep. So go ahead and practice. Bah, that's what you are. We are sheep. Let me just be clear here. The Bible never calls you a guinea pig. You're not a guinea pig. You're not here to test things. And so we can write an article and say, look what's happening in the church because we tried this and we tried it on the precious flock of God. Pastors, if you're listening, 
Pastors here in this church, you guys listening from a distance, our responsibility is to take care of the flock of God, not use them for our own means or our own desires or to test things out or to take advantage of them or whatever it might be. You're not guinea pigs. You're not guinea pigs. You're sheep. And I'm a sheep just like you. And we need to be cared for by the good shepherd. We need to be a part of the church. That means the church, like, like our church. Like, you know, if you sat in some of our staff meetings, you would just laugh. You're like, God uses people like you? Yes. Sometimes we don't know what we're going, or we're talking about this, or what were we talking about that, or we don't have this answer. And it's just a reminder that that whole room is filled with men and women that want to hear from God. He has the answers. We may not have them. I know many times people are disappointed with me. They email me, they call me, pastor, 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 what's going on? What are we going to do here and what are we going to do there? And then when I say, I don't know, people get all mad at me. What do you mean you don't know? You're the pastor. Yeah, like I don't know everything. I have no idea. I have no idea what God wants to do. But I do know this. I want to know. I want to discover it. And just because I don't know doesn't make me dumb or anything. It just means God hasn't revealed it yet. And if he hasn't revealed something, church, then don't make it up. Just wait. Just wait for him. You know, the church here in Acts 13, they're really living this out. They don't know what's going to happen. They're just getting together. And they're living out already. Hey, man, we're just here in the spirit. We don't know what the church is. We don't know how many churches there are. We don't know how many believers. We don't know anything but this. We love God. Our hearts are connected to Jesus. And what made them so strong is what's going to make us strong. Their hearts and their eyes were on things that were eternal and not temporary. They weren't testing things out or figuring out some weird new doctrine that they got into. Now they have to give it to everybody. They're just seeking the Lord, wanting what's right and what's best for the flock, what will honor God. And you know, Jesus at the end of his ministry Really, after he died and rose again, he sent seven letters, you remember, to the churches in Revelation. Remember that? There were seven churches, uh, each geographically in an area, and Jesus sent them more like postcards or post-it notes, a few last things to say. And whenever we as pastors teach that section, we always want to be the church in Philadelphia. Some pastors, I said, we're all the church in Philadelphia. And of course we want that. They're the church that persevered. They're the evangelistic church. They're the church that's going to make it. They're the churches, you know, just blessed of God. And of course we want to be Philadelphia. Nobody ever claims to be the church in Sardis. Do you remember the church in Sardis? Let me read to you what Jesus said to them. He said, I know your works. Yes, Lord, you know my works. That you have a name that you're alive. Yes, Lord, how did you know finally? Yes. And Jesus said, excuse me, you interrupted me. I have one more thing to say. I know your works. I know you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. Nobody wants to be the church in Sardis. I don't want to be the church in Sardis. I don't want the church to be filled with people like that, where here you are, got your best on, you woke up, made it on time, got your parking space early enough to get the kids in, you got your clothes on, you got your ready, you got your smiles on, hey brother, hey brother, hey brother, but you're dead inside. I don't want that for you, it's not good for you. Why would you want to live that way? Why would you want to put all the effort inside, like to have everybody think you're alive and then you know right now, like listening, like God's calling, like over and over, doesn't God just remind you, hey, I've got, I want you to be alive. I want you to walk in the spirit. I want you to live for me. Like, hey, 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 it's me and you, remember God says? 
So, but look what I'm doing. Everybody thinks I'm alive. Yeah, but you're not. And Jesus calls that church to repentance. How about the church of Laodicea? Nobody wants to be the church in Laodicea. I don't want to be the church in Laodicea. Some of you Bible students, you know, that's the lukewarm church. (laughs) You're not hot, you're not cold, Jesus says, but you're lukewarm. And what's the response? Therefore, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth, Jesus says. Who wants to relate to Jesus in the terms of vomit? Nobody. And you know as well as I do, when your body vomits something, it is a violent reaction to something that doesn't belong. And your body's taking care of itself. And Jesus calls them to repentance. You know, when I taught through Revelation uh, verse by verse of those seven churches, I came to this conclusion. I think there's a little bit of each church in every church among us. God's always doing a work. He's calling those that have a name, that they're alive, that they're dead. He's calling you back to life. He's calling the lukewarm ones that, you know, one foot in the world, one foot in the church. He's calling you back. He's taking you that are Philadelphia and going, keep going church, keep going, keep persevering. And all the others as well, the Smyrna, the suffering church. How many, I mean, that seems to be a season right now that that's, that describes a lot of men and women today. You know, we pray a lot and we're hearing it a lot in our generation right now. We're praying for our church and the church at large to have revival and renewal. But I have to ask you, are you willing to pay the price? Revival and renewal, how do you think that's gonna happen? It's gonna happen through repentance. It's gonna happen by looking in the mirror and saying, here I am, Lord, and allowing the spirit of God to replace our human-centered activity with spirit-centered activity. The price for revival, you know, real revival comes and centers around the gospel. It doesn't center around man, uh, man-made excitement or false teachings or hyped up rhetoric or false earthly goals or some man-made religion or whatever it might be. True revival and renewal comes from God with a recognition of our own sin and our need to repent. When you, when you repent and get back to your first love, you are revived. And when a group of people do that, there is new life breathed into that which became lifeless. The early church walking in the spirit here in Acts 13, they reached the world through prayer and preaching. They got together here in Antioch. It's interesting, isn't it? It happened in Antioch, not Jerusalem. I mean, if you were putting together a plan, wouldn't you say, I think Jerusalem, Jerusalem's the place. That's the apple of God's eye. That, that is, that, that's the place. That's the epicenter of all events. Everything is happening in Jerusalem. If we're going to have a missionary outreach, it has to be Jerusalem. But you know, sometimes you have your goals. The Bible says that a man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. The Bible says that there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. And so we have all our plans and we have all our ideas and we have our whole life planned out. And then God says, no, not Jerusalem, Antioch. It's going to be in Antioch, a place you would never expect. The missionary outreach of the world to the world will not happen in the Jewish center church in Jerusalem. It will happen with the Gentiles. What that that tells me is like, you can't predict what God's going to do. You can just go with the flow. Because you could be in Jerusalem. No, 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 no. You can't do it out there in Antioch. Bring it home. Bring it home. We're going to do it here. 
What do you mean you can't do it? Of course you can do it. You want to do it from Antioch? Go for it. Do what God has called you to do. I think this comes up from time to time too, like in the church. It's like, hey, pastor, pastor, when are we going to, when are we going to do this? You know, when are we going to have another afterglow? Because Acts chapter 13 is kind of like a, a beginning stages of an afterglow service, as we'll see in a moment, just believers getting together. So people will come, pastor, pastor, when are we going to do an afterglow? And, and I'll say, well, when do you want to do an afterglow? And they'll say, tonight, let's do one tonight. And I'm going to say, well, go ahead, do one tonight. What? Well, you're the church. You can do it anytime you want. You don't need to wait for us to do something or schedule something or open the door. You're a believer. Do you want to seek the Lord? Seek the Lord. And then let me know how it goes. What the Lord spoke to you. Pastor, pastor, when are we going to feed the homeless? We need to go and we need to get a group and go feed the homeless. When are we going to do that? My answer, when do you want to do that? I want to do it today. Well, then God bless you. Go feed the homeless. No, 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 pastor, you don't understand. No, I do understand. Go down, go get to the ATM, get some money out, go buy some food and take it and feed people in Jesus' name. The church has become so institutionalized, like you're waiting for us to tell you what to do or you're waiting for some event to happen. Look, you're the church, church. Be the church. You can do anything you want to do in the Lord. Imagine that. You have permission right now from God through his pastor here in this church. You have permission to do whatever you want to do in the Lord. Go do it. You don't have to wait. Will we have events? Of course we will. It's part of our discipleship. It's part of our responsibility. Will we have gatherings of prayer? Yes. Will we have gatherings after close? Sure. Will we have gatherings together, men's, women's Bible studies? Yes, 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 yes. But their discipleship, they're training you, as we learned last time, to be the church outside the building. There's so much happening outside of us. We just need to seek the Lord and do it. Get involved in a small group, make a friend. And then together with friends, seek the Lord together. You want to have an afterglow? Then get that friend together and get some coffee and seek the Lord. Maybe you don't need coffee. Get some tea. That's fine. Maybe you don't like tea. Well, okay, get water then. Bring water, get together with a brother or a sister and seek the Lord. God will meet you there. You'll be encouraged. You don't have to wait for us. You don't have to wait. I don't want you to wait for us. I want you to be the church. Can I get an amen on that? Okay, so we all know. We have like like retina scanning cameras in here. We all know who said amen. And we're going to check you and say, okay, are you doing the work of the church? That's what God's desire is for you. So here they are. And and next time we'll get to and exegete this text a little bit more. But I just want you to notice they're in Antioch. Past prophets and teachers are there, so there's an established leadership. And then they name them. We'll get to them next time. And notice what they do in verse two. And this is where I want to spend the rest of our time. It says, as they ministered, mark that phrase, as they ministered to the Lord. I want you to focus on that word to. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit spoke. The Holy Spirit said, And notice what he said. Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. They ministered to the Lord. And that was their desire when they came together. They they are caught up in the things of the Lord. Church, I want you to be caught up in the things of the Lord. I want your identity to be in Christ. I want you to know who you are so you can fulfill God's will and destiny for your life. 
I, I want you, I want to hear testimonies of gatherings where people are just coming together, seeking the Lord, fasting and praying together. If you've never fasted before, it's an essential in your spiritual walk. You can go to our website, calvaryco.church or our app and just put the word fast. Just put the word fast in the search bar. I have taught in very detail what the Bible has to say by, on fasting and how to do it. It needs to be a part. It needs to be like breathing and praying and reading the Bible that you might deny your physical flesh, your food, like become hungry so that you, when your hunger pains come, it reminds you to seek the Lord. And it's almost like, fasting is almost like this. You're telling your body, your, you know, body, you don't rule me. God rules me. And I don't care if you're hungry, I'm not feeding you right now. And then your body goes, oh, really? And it starts to fight. And then you begin to see, no, I have victory in the spirit. Not by might, not by power, but I have victory in the spirit. And the church seems to be so caught up in other things. The church today, the church at large, perhaps even our church, you know, we have to be careful. We don't point out there. It's in here. This is it. But I, you know, I'm a part, I, I, I get the privilege of bringing to you the pastor part of this, the world that I live in, but also the world I live in with you. So that when you hear a testimony about the church at large, you can go, boy, that's us. And the church at large is very distracted today. They got their eyes on things that really don't matter. Things that will change. Things that will go away but they're expending all this energy and all this effort and all this time to something that's going to pass. It's not eternal. The church, well, you remember, we'll get to it in Acts chapter 17, but in Acts chapter 17, it says, when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brethren to the rulers of the city. And this is what the rulers of the city said. These who have turned, well, this is what they said as they brought them. These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. By the time we get to Acts 17, the reputation of the church is, man, we don't want anything to do with them because they're going to flip this city. It's going to change. But you know what we've found today is that the church isn't really turning too much of the world upside down, but the world's doing a good job of turning the church upside down with the cooperation, with our cooperation. The world's got all this pressure always pressing into us and leaders, really, it's our responsibility to help you guys. It's mine. I'll take it on myself. As I come to the Lord, I take it deep, deep responsibility to help you navigate this difficult culture so that you can honor the Lord with your life and not be so scared or not be so overcome or not even get into this world and live for this world and like this world and understand that, man, the Lord is coming back. And I, the reputation of the church, we need to be, with a with lack of a, you know, a cliche type thing, we need to be world changers. That's some of you are gonna do it on a small scale, some of you are gonna do it on a large scale, but together we're gonna be used by God to bring people to Christ. That's really the essence. When you think of, well, wait a minute, Ed, then what's so important? What's so eternal? What do I focus my life on? There's really in the Bible only two things that are eternal. Or you could say two things that go from here into heaven. You ready? Number one, the word of God. Jesus said as much. Heaven and earth will pass away, but by no means will my word pass away. The word of God is eternal. So we want to spend a lot of time knowing, studying, and living out the word of God. But you know the other thing that will go from here to eternity? The souls of men. Every effort and energy you spend on the souls of men and on the word of God is worth it. 
It's eternal. The problem is, is it doesn't give immediate results. And so we just kind of give up on stuff. So I've been praying, I've been praying, I've been praying, I've been praying and nothing's happened. No, man, a lot of stuff has happened. You've become a different person. You've prayed more than you ever have in your whole life. Is that not something? Yeah, but I didn't get what I wanted. Well, that's because God has something more for you that you didn't even know you wanted. And that is intimacy with him. So he keeps having you pray, keeps having you pray. You keep coming back, you keep coming back. You come back when you're mad. You come back when you're happy. You come back when you're hopeful. You come back when you're hopeless. And guess what? Every time you come back, you're with the Lord. I would say that's something. I don't know how he's going to answer. I know in my life, I got some serious stuff that I've been knocking and seeking and asking for over 10 years. That's just one of just 10 years. And yeah, I haven't gotten, some things have even gotten worse. They haven't happened. It's not the way I want them. But I'll tell you what, I know the Lord a lot better. I know the Lord. I still want the answer. But you know what God's telling me? He's telling me, but Ed, I want you to want me more than the answer. And I always say, okay, Lord, yes. I do want you, but I also want the answer. You know, I don't know if you do that. I do want you, Lord, but please, I still want the answer. Here's the church. They're so simple. Just in a simple place, they're ministering to the Lord. That's what kept them out of all the junk of the world. They just ministered to the Lord. They, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in prayer, in fellowship, breaking of bread. Turn over to Ezekiel 44. I want to show you something because I want to make this distinction in our final moments of ministering for the Lord and ministering to the Lord. I want to show you why I think two is a very important, why there's something a little different happening here. Uh, because we all have, a, we have no problem ministering for the Lord. We, we might call that good works or service. You know, I invited you to be the children's ministry meeting today. Yeah, that's serving for the Lord. You're serving. He's done so much for you. Now you are going to serve him. And you're, you have good works that flow from your life. Yes, yes. You serve for the Lord. You, you are active in serving. But there's a little bit of a distinction of serving, uh, ministering to the Lord, not just ministering for the Lord. And go to Ezekiel 44, because I want you to see this. Uh, in your Bible. When you get there, which I will get there eventually here, go to verse 15. Ezekiel 44, verse 15. It's one of those obscure passages, uh, but really neat that this, what's happening in the sons of Zadok here. Uh, and it says here in verse 15, but the priests, the Levites, the sons of Zadok, who kept charge of my sanctuary when the children of Israel went astray from me, they shall come near me to minister to me, and they shall stand before me to offer to me the fat and the blood, says the Lord God. They shall enter my sanctuary, and they shall come near my table to minister to me, and they shall keep my charge. There's a distinction made here. There was the faithful sons of Zadok who God reserved in ministry, a special, unique place for himself and to himself. They had a special, intimate place with the Lord. And that's what you and I get to do today by choice. It's not a distinction anymore. By the blood of Jesus Christ, we not only can minister for him, but we can enter into that deeper place of intimacy with him to draw near to him so that he might draw near to me. We get it all confused because of activity and busyness. And we got all this stuff going on. We got this schedule and we got the kids and we got work and we got church. We got all of this and and. God says, no, I'm, I want you. I want you. That's what's happening here. They're ministering to the Lord. They're fasting. And the Holy Spirit spoke. 
I mean, if you approach your devotional life that, this way, it'll change. Because you know, every time you open the Bible, God's gonna speak to you. If you approach your prayer life this way, it's like, I'm just gonna, I wanna grow in my intimacy. I'm not doing my devos because I have to. I just wanna grow. I wanna hear from the Lord. He'll speak. I just wanna cast my cares upon him. He'll speak. I just wanna come to a church service like this and I'm not gonna be religious going in and out, just like waiting till the guy's done, but I'm here to hear from the Lord. He's ready to speak. You turn on the radio, listen to a Bible study. He's ready to speak. You've got music on in your home or your car that's glorifying God. He's ready to speak. You gather together with the saints after service and pray for one another, he's ready to speak. You gotta learn how to minister to the Lord, not merely minister for him, not just on his behalf, but to him, where you are gathering to him, drawing near to him. It's like a part of a definition of, of abiding, where you're ready, you're drawing close to him in a special way. Let me show you one more illustration. Turn over to Luke chapter 10. One of those passages that we as pastors have a tendency to mess up. And I pray that I can add a different distinction to it on top of any other time I might have messed up. But it is the, the passage that's very familiar to us. Many of you Bible students already know and already think you know when I mention the names Mary and Martha. And that's where we are in Luke 10, Mary and Martha. I think in their lives, we see a beautiful distinction between ministering for the Lord and ministering to the Lord. Notice with me in Luke 10, verse 38. Now it happened as they went, they entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house and she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to, to help me. And Jesus answered and said, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed and Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. Martha invites Jesus into the home and then she gets very busy taking care of things. You know, she's going to clean up and get things together. She's got a very special guest. And I don't want you to be too hard on Martha because I think she's in a position that many of us would be. I, I, I just thought of Marie, my wife. I, I just think when we know somebody's, when she knows somebody's coming over, man, we got to clean the whole house. They're not going to see the whole house, but some reason we got to clean the whole, I think it's a trick actually. But she's got to clean. I'm like, I don't care if they see my house. It doesn't matter. It's not dirty. It's not dirty. But this woman can find dirt where there is no dirt. And I, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to clean. I, I just, what do I, I just see the house. It's what we live in. It's what we live in every day. Like, why can't we show people what we live in every day? No, no, we've got a, but, but she has good motives. She wants to serve someone. She wants to do good for them. She, she, I mean, and you know, if Jesus came to the house and we all, okay, Ed, Jesus is coming. Okay, that might be a good reason. I might help her if Jesus came to the house. That's where Martha is. It's like, okay, honey, I'll help you. But like, this is, she, she wants to take care of, the hospitality is so important. Don't get too down on her because that's a big mistake. Wanting to serve Jesus and love him and take care of him and clean the house and cook, whatever. You know, if you put it into a modern day thing, she, I can hear the pans clanging and, and you know, the cupboards closing and it's all so loud. Like that's not what Jesus tells her is her problem. What Jesus says her problem is, she was distracted with much serving. She was distracted. 
You see, the serving for Jesus was more important. It was more important than anything that was happening. Jesus was literally in her house and serving was more important. Mary, on the other hand, we see her sitting at Jesus' feet, hearing his word. And Jesus tells us about her that she chose the good part. Jesus, don't read into this what Jesus doesn't say. Jesus doesn't say, Martha, don't ever do this again. You don't need to clean the house. You don't need to cook. You just be just like Mary. And Jesus doesn't tell Mary that, you know, you should be serving. Like he, he just gives them the direction that they need individually. And I think there's a combination of Mary and Martha that's so important. Martha's taking the position of ministering for the Lord. Mary's taking the position of ministering to the Lord. And I want you to see it in relationship to the word, right? Because it was when they're ministering to the Lord that they heard the word of the Lord, that the Holy Spirit spoke. So there's Martha in the kitchen, bam, 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 bam. And it turns her, it, like her, her ministering for the Lord turned her against Jesus, the very one she was supposed to be serving. She gets mad at him. Don't you care? What do you mean, don't I care? I'm in your house. What are you talking about? Don't I care? You know what? Sister, you got a problem. And this is what it is. Not only did it turn her in against Jesus, but now she's bossing him around, her own guest. She's not even accomplishing what she's desiring. And that's good hospitality. Instead, she's telling off her guest. And her guest is Jesus. That's the issue. She's distracted by it all. So Jesus says, I want to show you something that's going to help you, Martha, in your service. I want you to see your sister. And who knows if they had a sibling rivalry or not. I don't want to hear one more thing about perfect Mary. You know, I don't know. But I said, I want to add something to you. I want you to see your sister because she made a really good choice. She's right here listening to me. She's close. You know, think about it. In the busyness of the kitchen, the loudness, if Jesus said something to Martha, she would have to say, what, what? What'd you say, Jesus? I can't hear you. Because distraction has clouded her, her hearing. You know, it stopped up her hearing. But Mary is so close that if Jesus decided to whisper to her, she would hear it. Just because she chose the good part. And whispering, being in a position where we could hear the voice of the Lord, even if it's low and faint, is so important. And it comes by learning how to minister to the Lord. You go, well, how do you minister to the Lord? Well, you, you give yourself to him in sacrifice. You live in obedience. It really isn't anything over and above what you already do in the sense that you're a believer. And so you live in relationship with God. You, you minister to the Lord when you pray. You minister to the Lord when you give. You minister to the Lord. Everything about it. It's not ministering for him though. See, it's the heart of the matter. It's ministering to him in appreciation of all that he's done. The reality of Mary and Martha is that we need a little bit of both in us so we can hear what God has to say for his church. Not just voices from years ago. We need to hear the voice today. What is God doing today? What does he want for now? How does he want me to respond to my kids? And how does he want me to deal with this issue? And how does he want to lead my life? And what, what Lord? And you might even say, what on this one? You want me to go and become a missionary? What? And you're so close to him, he starts to comfort you and encourage you and strengthen you. And you know, you'll be the next one we're praying for. You'll be the next one we're supporting. You'll be the next one we go, man, reach out to them. Because they were here sitting right where you were. 
Who knows what God has for you? But you'll never know until you press in like the early church here. And we'll see it was combined with prayer and fasting. The Holy Spirit spoke. How? Probably through the prophets. There were leaders there to speak on behalf of God, to speak forth the word of God, the dynamic that God wants to accomplish in our lives. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto me. So as we, we tie up everything today, you can see it's just not gonna do you any good to get caught up in the things of this world. It's just not any good for you. You have choices to make, I have choices to make, <clears throat> and it all has to do with where we wanna be. Where do you wanna be? What kind of life do you wanna live? Think about the beautiful gift and freedom that God has given us. He, he's here today saying, where do you wanna be? And then you say, man, I wanna be with you, Lord. And some of you might even say that, Maranatha, come quickly, I wanna be with you. But you know, until he comes, do you still wanna be with him? Do you still wanna live for him? Do you wanna pay the price for revival? Do you wanna pay the price to bring revival into your marriage? Do you wanna pay the price to bring revival into your home? Do you wanna pay the price to bring revival into your life through humble repentance? ministering to the Lord. If you, want, if you do, man, God's ready. As we talk a lot about waiting on God, but you know, God's waiting on you. <laughs> like, go for it. Be the church. This stuff in the book of Acts is 21st century stuff. It's not some group years ago. This is it. And if you desire it, God's ready. He says, well, then let's do it. Get together. Let's, let's do this together. So this week, I want you to take note of how you can personally minister to the Lord, not just minister for him, and then listen for the Holy Spirit to speak. And if you receive something, email me. I'd love to hear it. It's like the Lord spoke something. You got a scripture, you got a verse, you, you got a song, you got a lyric, you got a text message out of the blue. Look, church, the world needs you. The world needs you. That's why you're still here. The world needs a church that truly is living out the life of agape love. But you also need the world because the world has a tendency to push you and move you toward God. I know you think the solution is get out of this world, get out of this world, get out of this world. It's gonna be great when we do. But until then, you need this world. Jesus, he was in this world for, for 30 years. For the last three years, the last few weeks or the last week of his life was horrendous. But he was in the world, but he wasn't of the world. That is the call of the church. We are in this world, we're in this city, we're in this state, we're in this country, and we have privilege of serving. Like, like when you think about how hard it is right now, how challenging it is, how upside down, like doesn't make any sense world we're in right now, you were born for this time. I want you to think about that. You know what your birthday is? Whatever it is, got you alive right now. It is God's will for you to be in the world right now. So go for it. Don't let it all beat you up and go, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Instead, go, I can't believe it. God is on the move. What does he want to do next? What's happening? What new open door do you have for us, Lord? What new pure person can I experience? For some of you, it's just going to be a baby step. You're going to obey. And I'm not asking you to obey, but like you're going to do what I ask you to do by reaching out to a missionary. And you're so scared. It's like, I don't think I can do that. What if, what if he asked me a question? Here, so I'm going to give you the answer to that. If you email a missionary and they respond with asking you a question, you want to know what you're supposed to do? Answer it. And start a relationship with a missionary. 
Maybe it's skating in Florida. Maybe it's ministering. We just got back uh, from, where were we, Colombia or where did we go? Peru, there you go, Peru. That team that just got back from Peru and Jake, brand new missionary, kid. He's just a kid, but that kid has more energy in us than probably a hundred of us. Love this guy. And if you ever move back to the States, I'd say, man, join our team, join our team. We need you. This guy's amazing, but Jake needs encouragement. Jake needs encouragement. Nesty and Jess, they need encouragement. Alan over in Brooklyn, they need encouragement. And so do you. And you get to minister to one another as the Holy Spirit moves you. Amen? Father, I thank you for the privilege. I just think that emphasis on our missionaries is so important, but not just our missionaries. We are the body of Christ. We need to be praying for our pastors. We need to be praying for their wives and their kids praying for one another, Lord, that we would just be the church, not because we're ministering for you, but we're ministering to you. This is our, this is our joy of intimacy with you, that even standing up here with Ian, and I'm sure if I turn to the left and we got testimonies on this side of the stage and, and behind us and, and just like, man, you, you are so gracious to us. Who are we? You're the one that started the work you're the one that continues it and you're the one that's gonna finish it. And I would just say, if you're here today, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, today's the day. Now is the time. That is the missionary heart of God, to reach you. We're all enjoying a Bible study and we do love the Bible, let me tell you. We love to hear from God, we love to study it. But you know what we love even more is to see lives changed. That's why we pray for you regularly, why we pray for our parents and our family and our friends. We wanna see God move. But now you have the chance because you're here or watching online or downstairs. But before we leave, I wanna give you a chance to receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your life, to receive the forgiveness of sins. So today, if you would say, Ed, that's me. I need my sins forgiven. Would you just stand to your feet? I wanna pray with you that God would move upon your life today, that today would be it. God bless you. God bless you over here. Who else would say that? That's, that's me. God bless you. Pastors are gonna be coming up um, with you so that we have somebody praying with you. So if you would, stay standing for a second. Anyone else? If you stood, would you stay standing so we can connect with you? Uh, and it's actually nothing weird. I just want you to know we got pastors here that love you and serve you. Uh, and we got someone right here in the middle, back here in the back. But today's the day. Today's the day of salvation that God is doing a fresh work. So we got a brother coming over for you. Anyone else? And you guys downstairs, you're not forgotten. You guys online, you're not forgotten. It's just like you're here. I'm so glad that you tuned in on YouTube or Facebook or wherever. You're like with us right now, your family. It doesn't matter if you're on the radio or online or watching this 10 years from now. We love you. And you that hear the love of God, listen. Right here, here, Byron. Uh, you guys hear the love of God. The, the Bible says this, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that's just the truth. What are you confessing? You're confessing that you've sinned against a holy and righteous God. And what are you believing? That he loves me to, enough to forgive me. 
that he, that missionary message, right? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, that whosoever is you, that whosoever has a name, it's your name. And so I'm gonna lead you in a prayer with, that you can say directly to God, I'm gonna help you confess what you already believe. You could say something like this and you could repeat it after me. You could say, God, I admit that I've sinned against you and I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. I believe you sent Jesus to live for me, die for me, and I believe he rose again from the dead to save my soul. Help me to follow you all the days of my life, turning away from my sins, my habits. Father, I pray right now for those, and even hear some of the prayers, it's just, I mean, come on. It's so good. It's so good what you're doing in people's lives, God. That you would continue to pour out your love and your mercy in these last days. That you would continue to rescue lives and rescue marriages and rescue homes. That this would be real and not some emotional experience, but God, in the emotion, there would be true newness of life that just transferred in a millisecond of time. And for us as a church, God, revive us. Shake us and stir us to the place where we move forward with the gospel. Trusting you with our lives, not by might, not by my, not by my power, but by your spirit, saith the Lord. So bless them that come to you today. Encourage them, even as we're encouraged. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Church. For prayer, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. To listen to this message in its entirety or to join us for our live stream services, visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free Calvary Church app. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week. 